What are we doing here? What is what are we doing? <laughs> are we human or are we dancer? You know, like at the end of the day, that's what it boils down to. <laughs> podcast where we hate spinnerbait but we love page 199 of this lullaby where john miller first brings that phrase into our lives Yay! name drop finally happened like 19th episodes in everyone and we finally have reached our namesake hate spinnerbait I'm Bethany. With me, as always, of course, is Michael Ann. Michael Ann, how are you feeling now that we finally officially have our name out there? I'm so excited. We finally got the name drop. The queen herself, Sarah, shared our post to Instagram. Yes. So, so many exciting things happening. It's been it's been a very good day. We have much to celebrate. And yeah, so a few funny things I realized about the hate spinner rate drop. First of all, I loved that it – I honestly could not remember who was the first person who said it. So when we got there and I was like, John Miller gets to be the one to, like, introduce us to that. That's very funny. So I love that for a couple of reasons. One, because John Miller, of course, is a ginger. And mm-hmm. I, a fellow ginger, was the first person to ever say hate spinnerbait on our podcast because I did the first tagline in on episode one. So I thought that was kind of funny. And then I also thought it was funny – that it happens on page 199. So like right on the precipice of 200. You're like, oh, what a perfect if it would have been on 200. But it's 199. And we get to discuss it on episode 19. So same. It's like we're right on the precipice of episode 20. So both of those things just, I don't know, gave me small enjoyment. And I felt like sharing that with everyone. <laughs> I like that too. You know, I like the 19, nine, 199. Yeah. It's like, is 19 our number? Yeah, I might be. Is Maybe. 19 to hate spinnerbait what 13 is to Taylor Swift? Maybe. It is now. <laughs> it is now. We now have a, a fondness. Lucky number 19. It's it's happening. We have to write yeah. it on our hands all the time now. Yes, all the time. <laughs> Every time we record a podcast, we have to 19 and like post a picture like 19. 19. <laughs> it's happening. It's so happening. everyone get excited. We will inevitably meet up and we'll take a picture of the two of us with like 19 in our hands. And everyone will be like, what? That sees us out in public. But all of you will know. <laughs> the hate spinnerbait fans will know. You'll know. You'll get the reference. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So good. So quality. We do have to recap of course we've got so much to dive into y'all so many good things i had a handful of taglines i could have used i went with the low-hanging fruit because it is a big moment for us but there's oh man there's some plastic wear that i really love and i'd like to get into that oh yeah oh my that was god my backup tagline <sighs> we have so much to discuss so much to discuss 
So if we add an episode or move a chapter or two, it might happen. Maybe we have to change our schedule. You guys know schedule's tentative. So it is what it is. It is what it is. I'm excited to dive in. So let's do a Hit us with that recap. Hell yeah. Okay. So we have our main character, Remy Star. Sparks. You're right. Star. Yeah. Star. You know what? Sparks and Star are very similar last names. And so I always get them confused. Okay. So she is one of those love isn't real, relationships are useless, kind of just goes with the flow with guys kind of gal because her mom has been married so many times. Um, But she's met this guy, Dexter, and he's kind of like switching it up for her. And she's starting to think... You know, she's not doing all of her usual stuff. She's not leaving the relationship. She's not coming up with excuses. No, she's in this one, guys. And on top of that, her mother just got married to a guy who I'm not a super big fan of, to be honest, but we'll get into it. And um, her brother is dating a woman named Jennifer Ann, who one of our listeners commented on our Instagram. and was like, is Jennifer Ann an MLM? And now I'm like, Jennifer Ann's in an MLM. She has to be. She has to be. She has to be. That's that's perfect. (laughs) Yes. It's spot on. It's spot on. She doesn't realize she's in an MLM yet, but once she turns like 30, she's going to be like, oh my God, I was in a fucking MLM. (laughs) So, (laughs) So, yeah, that's where we're at. Dexter and Remy are dating. He's in a band called Truth Squad. And yeah, that's where we're at. There are many potato songs. We're excited to find out even more potato songs. I hope you guys liked the album cover that I made for them when I was bored one night and put on our Instagram. I I thought it was fun. (laughs) I agree. I wholeheartedly agree. So let's do this. Chapter nine. We start off. We're at the grocery store. And of course, this is another Sarah Desinism. What are we shopping for? It's a 4th of July barbecue. Of course, we're celebrating the 4th of, of July in this book. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm so excited about that. I was like, yes, it's the 4th of July. Desinism. Check. Mm-hmm. Check. <laughs> yeah, we have Dexter kind of walking around, getting distracted. He's all about fun, this guy. He's picking up water guns. I He's, love Dexter. In this I movie. love Dexter. He cracked me up multiple it's- times. This is like I me at Target. His hatred for English muffins. I love that Remy brings up. <laughs> she says here, do you mean to tell me, I said, reaching up as I spotted the fish sauce, that you can eat an entire jar of mayonnaise in one sitting, but find English muffins, which are basically just bread, to be disgusting. <laughs> and I was like, yes, girl. Because before I even got to that line, I thought the same thing. I'm like, English muffins he finds gross, but he can eat a jar of mayo. And then Remy literally said my thoughts. So bless you, Remy. Also, English muffins are freaking delicious. And I love them. They are delicious. You can put butter. You can put jam. You can put honey. You can put all the above on them. You know what I like to do? I like to do a layer of cream cheese topped with a layer of fruit jam. Any kind of fruit jam. I've been doing plum lately. And let me tell you. That sounds good. Decadent. (laughs) First of all, excellent word. Second is a great word. That should be used more in everyday life. Second of all, that does sound really delicious. And I'm kind of hungry now. Yeah, it's yummy. 
My mother-in-law's like the jam queen. I respect that. First of all, that is like so Southern of her. That's adorable. <laughs> yeah. Like, I know. Of course she is. Of course she is. <laughs> she also but makes also, the best cornbread of all time. Of all I'm, time coming up and visiting I, oh also everyone hi um when you are listening to this episode i will officially for the very first time ever in my life not be living in the state of florida which is crazy to me what? uh so hi everyone i'm i'm bethany nice to meet you again i'm now officially a georgia resident so michael and i are about to live very close to each other we're well, not very but like a very easily close distance so i'm just gonna come and have her mother-in-law make me cornbread and we'll just geek out about sarah dustin in person so while we write 19 on our hands like cool kids so get excited for that everybody absolutely (laughs) (laughs) but yeah here we are in the fourth of july party patty is back patty has been invited to the fourth of july party which i was like again what does this mean i'm not entirely sure like i said i remember something from the book that happens at the end. I cannot recall if she was involved in that. I just remember something. But Patty is 100% obsessed with Dawn. And that's all I have to say about that. Mm-hmm. Also, I like how when she starts getting into her like head, um, as she does in the grocery store, Dexter like calls her out. And she gets kind of annoyed because she's like, I can't believe he can just figure me out like that. Like, I'm a puzzle. That's yes. insane. It's insulting. And it's like, it's not insulting. It's love. You've just never let anyone know you like that. I love she was like, it's like he, it was so quick. Like, how could he have done that? And it's like, again, Remy, because when you actually love someone. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When you're not just dating guys to like, you know, waste time. Yeah. This it's... is what you can look forward to. Mm-hmm. I love Dexter. He's so cute and he knows her so well. And he makes her laugh when she's having an anxiety spiral. And you know what? I love that. Same, same. He's Dexter really is a good egg. And I do love that, which we'll get into a lot more as we kind of read the next couple of chapters. But like, he's not perfect. Like, he really isn't a perfect person. Like, he's messy and he has his own stuff. But again, it's that you're not looking for the perfect person. You're looking for the perfect person for you. And as long as they get you and, you know, that's that's all that really matters at the end of the day. Just warms my little heart. I know. It really does. Bless him. Yes. Also, on page 151, we get kind of like an interesting view into how her mother is like in relationships. And basically what it sounds like is she kind of takes on the personality of her partner. So with Remy's dad, she was a hippie. When she was married to a professor, she had gone academic, which sounds sexy, honestly, a sexy academic <laughs> like <laughs> romance author. Hell yeah. Yeah. Um, she wore a lot of tweed like the. the yeah, she did. Paint. I was like, oh, you know what? I'm into that. <laughs> I'm into it. I'm into it. It's like a hot Nancy Drew. Yes. Um, and then she married to Wynn. She'd been a little country club lady. Way less hot. Yeah. I don't like that one as much. The golf pro is like basically the same thing. Oh, no, no, it wasn't. I'm sorry. I just assumed it would be. But it's a young face. Short yes. skirts, jeans. And now Dawn's wife, Barb, she's gone subdivision on us. So I thought that was interesting. I It makes me think of that Parks and Rec scene where they're doing the like flea market or something. And Anne is like, here are all my boxes from all my boyfriends. I've just adopted their personality. And it's like <laughs> the grunge phase, the cowboy phase. Yep. 
It also made me think of, which we've discussed before on this podcast, Runaway Bride, where she just, and I was like, oh, like Remy's mom is her. (laughs) That movie is so good. Runaway Bride is just, is always appropriate. If there's a way you can bring it into conversation, you should. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree. Also, we kind of get to know here a little bit as well that Don is making himself comfy in their house, as I will say. Um, And he's obsessed with Ensure. He drinks them all the time, which maintenance phase, the podcast has truly warped my, well, not warped my brain. They've just (laughs) enlightened me to the truth because I'm like, how fucking bad, fucking, how fucking bad is... (laughs) (laughs) We're going to have a wee little Irish on you today, (laughs) lads and lassies. (laughs) I apologize if you have any Irish listeners. That was a terrible impression. <laughs> <laughs> I was. And if we have any Irish listeners, what's up? Hey, what's I'm up? Into that. We respect you. We love you. We do have someone in the UK. She keeps being like, my book covers are different than yours. So next book we read, I have to make sure I find the UK versions yes. and post yeah, them because I am slacking. That's um, on our list. But gross and sure. Like, that. what? Bl- bl- Gross. I, know. I remember my mom was drinking like back in the day, like back in the early 2000s, she was drinking something like that, that like all like the time, like Slim, slim Fit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah those Gross. meal replacement whatevers never understood that. And the fact that, yeah, they've been around since probably the 80s and here in 2023, mm-hmm. you could still go to a grocery store and find them and they're still like trying to peddle them on people is wild to me <laughs> it's wild i'm like trying to educate my mom in fad diets but i think she's too far gone <laughs> easier said than done sometimes yes to, mm-hmm. to she's got like all that brainwashing 73 years of brainwashing it's like there's you yeah. can't do anything about it it really I feel like this is a this is a Sarah Dustin book club and also a maintenance phase appreciation podcast because <laughs> we have definitely brought up maintenance phase on this podcast before. It'll probably come up fifteen thousand times again. I assure all of you, but it it does amaze me sometimes, like the things I have learned. And now when I hear mm-hmm. people having conversations, I can't help myself. I just like interject with random like maintenance phase, like fad diets and working out and your genetics or whatever like this total dude bro i work with currently i won't be working with him anymore when this podcast goes live he was like going on about how he's you know trying to work this and this one guy is jacked and he asked him what he ate and whatever and i was like you do realize that no matter what you do like you can't compare yourself to that guy because that guy has different genetics he has different like everything about him is different he is not you and i was like so you can go ask him what he's eating but that doesn't necessarily mean that if you eat that same diet and you do that same workout regimen that you're gonna get the same results and then i was like oh no i just maintenance faced him <laughs> like, I like oh god now. oh god it's like anytime somebody around me brings up that they're gonna try keto and i just like stare at them like you're like uh... <laughs> Back to 4th of July barbecues, though. Speaking of weird things. So, yeah, Don's all about his insure, but our dear, dear Babsies, our Babs, our Barbara, (laughs) she apparently has. So, yeah, so now that she's gone all suburban, essentially, it's like, oh, this is what suburbanites do, right? They throw 4th of July picnics, but she doesn't actually cook. She doesn't usually do this kind of stuff. So, 
in typical fashion, Remy is the one who, of course, went out to the store to get most of the things. But all the barbecue things she got, like, that her mom asked her to get are so, like, hoity-toity, like, not what anyone thinks of when they think of Fourth of July barbecue. So, yeah, she gets these, like, very fancy, like, Brazilian beef cuts. And Christopher and apparently Barbara went out to get a new grill. And this part, Jennifer Ann is actually kind of redeemable in this chapter. I didn't hate her here. Chris basically and Barbara get talked into this fancy grill. Christopher's like lost an eyebrow. He doesn't know what he's doing. (laughs) All these fancy Brazilian beef cuts that he got are all, they're all charred now. And they end up essentially Remy and Jennifer Ann, Remy knowing her mother well enough and Jennifer Ann knowing Christopher well enough know to get backup food. And so they've gotten burgers and hot dogs, your more traditional 4th of July fare. And this is where Dexter enters. He's running late, which again, like Dexter, he's a slob. He runs late. Like if you looked at this guy on paper, you'd be like, why are you into him? But then you, you know him. Like Mm -hmm. (laughs) we know him. You get Mm -hmm. to know him and you're like, God, he's just so sweet and charming. And I love him. Mm-hmm. So he shows up with Monkey, which this scene is very funny. But also, I'm like, your poor, like, Monkey, as we learn in the chapter, is, like, pretty old. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just, like, I'm going to tie you to the, like, mailbox, like, the side of the house, I guess, in case other people don't like dogs. And, like, leave them there. And Remy's like, I'll get him water. And I know he's only there for, like, an hour. And Dexter seems like a good dog dad. I'm not trying to shame him here. But I was like seriously you're just gonna leave just gonna leave the dog like out of the heat (laughs) the standards of like pet care from like even 10 years ago to now like millennials have taken pet ownership to another level like we treat them like little babies as they (laughs) should be treated but like back in the day like they were just fucking dogs so they're just like yeah they're just like yeah we'll just leave them in the front yard for an hour we'll get them some water no big deal I love the way that, like, Dexter talks to him, though. Like, he is, like, a human, and he understands him. And I like that he brought him because he's, like, he's been feeling, like, neglected, and he doesn't know anyone here. And, like, he's just so cute about, like, so cute about it. He he talks about him, but he's like, hey, bud, like, I'm going to leave you here. If you're a good boy, well, maybe we'll go on a ride later. Maybe we'll do this. And it's just very endearing to me. It's so cute. Like, the way a man treats a dog is very important. Very important. That is true. You can tell a lot about mm-hmm. a guy by the way he, he treats a dog. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And the way he treats service industry workers. Yes. <laughs> service industry workers and dogs. And if they have a healthy, normal relationship, his mother as well. That is true. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, we also learn here so i guess we knew that like don and dexter had a little bit of a connection but we learn at this barbecue that like he's his father's brother-in-law his sister is my aunt which i had to read that sentence i'm not kidding like five times the other day when i read this chapter to understand i was like wait like picturing the family tree i was very confused for a minute but i was like oh like again it doesn't seem like don and dexter are like super tight or anything but i was like oh there's more of a connection between the two of them than i initially realized yeah yeah and then don kind of like shits on him like he's which is not cool he's like he gave up everything for music what a joke blah 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 and it's like first of all don shut the fuck up you know what i mean seriously 
you are very successful, but that's the thing. It's like not everybody wants to do the same things as everybody else. Yeah. And also success means different things to different people. Exactly. Exactly. So just whatever, Mr. Car Salesman, you can just F right on out of here. Right. Like you were single until you were in what, your 40s or your 50s. A lot of people would consider that a failure. So get over yourself, big guy. Also, here we do not. Here at Hates Spinner Bay, we do not consider. No, we do not. We do not. We do. You do you. You be single your whole life. Rock on. No, I don't. Society would consider that. A lot of members of society would be like, "Oh, you never got married." It's like, first of all, shut up. But second of all, yeah, like don't be being mean to Dexter when you have your own hangups, buddy. Right. Which Remy does say. Here at the bottom of page 158, she says, seeing Dexter so quiet, if only for a second, had somehow made him more real to me. As if in those few moments, he wasn't just my summer boyfriend, but something bigger, something I had a stake in. So, yeah, she she definitely, like, gets annoyed at Dawn. And it, it does have this, like, this little moment, little light bulb moment for her where she sort of realizes that, hmm, maybe I care about this guy more than I am telling myself that uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I care about this guy. Yep. Yeah, and then everyone leaves. And yeah. Jennifer, Anne, and Remy get stuck doing the dishes. Jennifer, Anne has brought all of her Tupperware and labeled them. And Remy thinks this is weird, but I think that's an excellent idea because I've had people bring Tupperware to my house and leave it here. And I'm like, shit, I don't know which one is theirs and which one is mine. And I yeah. don't know what, how to give them back. So, yes, label your Tupperware, people. Yeah. But no, no shame in that game, Jennifer. Again, do I agree with you on most things? No, but I'm a, I'm gonna give you that one. Mm-hmm. We get some more information about his lizards here too. Dexter is really into his lizards, and Jennifer Ann is like, uh, he's not gonna be doing these lizards much longer. Also, a listener said that Sarah Dessen's husband, yeah, bred lizards. I, I saw that, and I was like, huh. If if that is accurate information, which I'm going to assume that if the they said that, like you, I don't know whether they would just come out with them for thin air, so it's probably accurate. But I was like, I did not know that, so I learned something new. So thank you to the listener who pointed that out because yeah, I was not aware of that, but that could be the reason that Chris is a little lizard breeder. Also, I take it back. I do not think he's coded autistic anymore, but I do think that Jess is coded gay. Yes, the I'm telling the more I read, there's some things in the chapters that we're discussing today that I'm like, my theory. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Your theory holds true. It holds true. It holds true so far. I'm just saying. I like this whole bit, page 161, talking about monkey and mm-hmm. talking about Dexter and Monkey's relationship. Um, this I thought was cute. Uh, that Remy says she says. I watched Monkey, amazed at his full-body excitement, to see this person he'd only been away from for an hour or so. What did it feel like, I wondered, to love someone that much? So much that you couldn't even control yourself when they came close, as if you might just break free of whatever was holding you and throw yourself at them with enough force to easily overwhelm you both. I had to wonder, but Monkey clearly knew. You could see it, feel it coming off him like a heat. I almost envied him that. Almost. Which made me a little sad that, like, Remy is... She envies a dog because a dog understands love. Like this dog understands love and relationships in a, a better, like has a healthier relationship with love, I guess, than she yeah. does. And I was like, yeah, girl, that 
God, man, that's a little heartbreaking. But also the love that a dog does have for like a human. It's just the most pure, precious thing. So <laughs> it really <laughs> is like, oh, it really is. And honestly, you know, if she could just open herself up a little bit more, she could she could feel that kind of love almost. I mean, obviously, a dog's love is is not attainable from. Yeah, <laughs> but that's uh, it, that's on a whole whole other level. But a a person to person love, she could definitely. That's a absolutely. I mean, I get really excited when I haven't seen Andrew for like thirty minutes. True. So Mike actually sometimes he basically does an impression of our dog Luna because Luna she's a little Yorkie and when she gets excited, it's like her whole like body shakes, her little butt shakes. So sometimes when I come home, Mike does that. He just like. Oh, that's like a little Luna impression, and it is it is very funny. Oh my god! And I was like, well, I'm so glad both cute. of you are excited to see me. That's so cute. I love Mike. Is such a little softy. Nobody is. would know. Nobody, Nobody would know. know. Nobody would know. But he truly, he truly is. I remember when you guys started dating. He was like, he like worshipped the ground you literally walked on. He was like, <laughs> this is a queen. This is like, it was just like, I was like, yeah, he's done. This is it. Like, this is it. He's a goner. As he's Remy's a goner. friends noticed about her. Yes. I think, yeah. Yeah, Mike, he's kind of someone, yeah, he, we've discussed before, has a, a hard outer shell, but at the same time, where's his heart on his sleeve? So like, you mm-hmm. can see like, you're like, oh yeah, that boy. <laughs> he's yeah. a goner. He's a goner. <laughs> oh man oh so after this they go to Dexter's house and he's kind of just strumming the guitar not really doing anything just kind of singing random songs and then right as Remy started to like fully relax he started singing this lullaby and she says don't sing that song please And we find out that she has told him that this song is about her written by her dad. And he kind of doesn't understand why she doesn't want to hear it. And she's not really doing a good job explaining it either. She's she doesn't really open up that part of herself. But she says here on page 163. "Um, I don't hate it. I just I'm sick of it. That's all. But this wasn't true either. I did hate it sometimes for the lie that it was as if my father had been able with just a few words scribbled on at a motel six to excuse the fact that he never bothered to know me seven years he'd spent with my mother most of them good until one last blowout resulting him leaving for california with her pregnant although he she didn't find that out until later two years after i was born he died of a heart attack never having made it back across the country to see me it was the ultimate out this song admitting to the world that he'd only disappoint me and didn't that just make him so noble really as if he was beating me to the punch, his words living forever while I was left speechless. No rebuttal, no words left to say. She's like really deeply, like not, you know, we've discussed in previous episodes how her mother's relationships have kind of made her cynical about love. But I think also the abandonment she feels from her father has also affected her in a huge way that she's not ready to grapple with. Just yeah. leaving her with this song. And, you know, this song has made her enough money to pay for Stanford, which is a considerable amount of money. Yes. <laughs> um, which is good. But, so you know, um, we, I think she would have rather had a dad. Yeah. Yes. At the end of the day. <laughs> yes. Somebody who, like, gave a shit even a little bit. Like, 
she, he was alive for two years of her life before he died and he just never came to meet her. I find that unbelievable and I can't imagine what that feels like. Yeah, I think her mom is easier in a way to be mad at. Like, I think mm -hmm. that's the the easier one for her to kind of grapple with. But yeah, I think her dad stuff, like her trauma from him, she hasn't even begun to really right. delve into yet. And clearly there is a lot there. And mm -hmm. I, you know, what she says about his line about like, you know, I will let you down and how that annoys her because it's a cop out. Like, oh, he admitted it first. So then I can't be mad at him. And I think she does have, every right to be upset especially because yeah he was alive for two years and he never came to see her and how can you write this song and all these people are like oh what a sweet song and she knows the truth which is this guy didn't give two shits about me mm -hmm. at least you know from her perspective again obviously we don't know thomas maybe he did give a shit about her and he just couldn't make it i think you could make it in the first years of your daughter's life but you know whatever mm -hmm. but I also at the same time was like, I think that is a fair, fair thing to say. Like, that's an honest, if you're the type of parent who thinks that you really are never going to fail your kid, that's, that's wrong. Like, you know, yeah. like I, I like the honesty in a sense of that line. Like, I will let you down because he knows like any parent isn't going to be perfect 24 seven, you know? So I was like, I get you, Rummy, but at the same time. I kind of respect him for for being honest with that. Yeah. Yeah. He was very, very clear with his uh, his I'm not going to be around <laughs> little song he sang. She said this is the first time she had talked out loud about her father since the sixth grade. And then I I believe that she kind of like cuddles. I mean, starts crying, I think. But it doesn't say that, but it like kind of sounds like she might be, or maybe he's just interpreting the fact that she's upset. So he lays down next to her and gives her a little cuddle. Yeah. Because he's a good guy and I love him. And this made me sad at the end of this chapter when she said that, you know, he was he was too close, but she had never pushed a guy away for that. If anything, I pulled them near, taking them in as I did now, sharing my belief that knowing me that well would easily be enough to scare them away. And that, yeah, yeah, that just makes me really sad that that's how she sees it. Like, oh, it's fine if he wants to be close because now that he's close, he'll see the real me and then he'll certainly leave. And again, yeah, yeah no wonder all of your relationships don't end well if that's how you go in thinking about them. You can't love somebody else until you love yourself, Remy. I really need to work on that girl. I've realized this year, and it might be from reading this book has helped, that I look at friendships as if everybody is just tolerating me and will eventually drop me. And so I handle friendships in like that way where I'm just expecting people to stop talking to me and I can relate. Cause it's like, I like get really obsessed with friends and I'm like, let's hang out all the time. And then I'm like, okay, <laughs> we can't hang out at all anymore because you're just going to start hating me. And then we're friendships going to end. Right. Yeah. It's easier to be the one who's like, Oh, I'm control of this. I'll push you away. Cause like, you're for sure going to like, I'm certain I'm annoying the crap out of you at this point. So I'm just going to go ahead and, and start canceling plans and, and doing this yeah. and doing that. Yeah. And absolutely. the truth is 
that person probably wasn't annoyed with you at all and was like, we're having a great time. And then it was probably very confused and upset when all of a sudden they're like, oh, but I do something wrong. And they're like, don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't, they don't want to like talk to me anymore. You know, mm-hmm. so someone today at work told me something very deep because uh, I was talking about, as obviously discussed at the top of this episode, I have moved. And I was saying, you know, when you leave somewhere, all these people make these like false promises of like, I'm going to miss you. I'm going to visit all that kind of stuff. And I was saying, even just living locally, I realized certain friendships that I feel like I put in more effort than the other person is. And it's a a door swings both ways sort of situation. So, you know, it's like, if these people really, you you don't get the right to say you miss me if you don't put any effort into coming and seeing me as well. Like, I'm going to put in the effort to come and see you. So like, you got to do the same, you know, in reverse or whatever. And this friend at work was like, yeah, you know, I realized that I was doing that a lot in some of my, you know, friendships. And I'm going to start, she's like, 2023 is the year that I put in the energy and effort into the people that are putting equal energy and effort into me. And I was like, yes, girl. Yes, Yes, girl. (laughs) Yes, yes. I've decided 2023 is the year that I stop assuming everyone hates me and is waiting for me to stop talking to them and just... I can, I'll be the first person to say, I don't hate you. And I'd like to continue talking to you. So there you go. If that, if you know, if you need some reassurance, I'll be your hype girl. I'll let you know. I'll be like, girl, I don't hate you. you. (laughs) I I do need it constantly. (laughs) You need constant reassurance. It's sort of one of my things. But seriously, we joke, but we're so serious. I actually am like a dog and I do need to be told every once in a while that I am a good girl. It really, yeah. it yeah. really does matter to me. It time. really does. It really does. <laughs> oh man. So chapter 10, here we go. Here we go. Chapter 10. That we just got through one chapter guys. We're doing it. We're doing it. We're definitely adding an episode or something. Cause we are <laughs> okay. I shut my fan off because I was cold and now I'm sweating. Chapter, chapter 10. 10. So first, I want to mention that we get another Boca Raton, Florida <laughs> shout out here. Boca Raton. Of yeah. things to ask there. Do you know someone Boca Raton? Because it has been mentioned numerous times now. And do you hate them? Yeah. And do you hate them? That's another <laughs> great question, honestly. Um, it's so funny. She's always pulling for Boca Raton. I think that is so funny. Um, yeah, why so- do you come for Boca Raton so much, Sarah? Definitely. <laughs> I mean, it's a lot of rich snobby people. So fair, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. So we are in Linens, etc. Um, great name. And Lissa is buying stuff for her dorm. Her roommate Delia from Boca Raton um, wants them to color coordinate and you know do this whole pretty dorm room thing. And for some reason, that is has infuriated Lissa and she is ready to do the complete opposite of that. Does seem very intense. If it does. I got a letter from someone I never met before and was like, listen here, these are the colors I like and we're going to color coordinate. And this, that, and the other thing I'd be like, that's a lot, ma'am. I don't know you. That is a lot. <laughs> I only lived strong. in a dorm. My freshman year was the only time I lived in a dorm, but me and my roommate definitely didn't color coordinate. <laughs> I just she also sounds like Delia is very like an Enid from Wednesday where I just envision her side there being like 
pink color for rainbow sparkles. And then Lissa's going to come in like in Wednesday Adams and be like, it's dark and black like my soul. <laughs> I know. Lissa's really gone uh, a direction after her breakup, I will say. <laughs> she has. She really has. Uh, the part. Uh, wait, I have to see. She okay, Yeah, Lissa's like in a mood. And she says that. Oh, she's saying this about Remy and she's, you know, like, because Remy's like, Lissa, like, with the attitude, like, I get that this girl is coming on strong with the letter and the color coordinating and all that, but do you really want to start college with a shitty attitude? And she's like, well, it's easy for you to say, Miss, going across the country free and clear, no problems. You'll be out in sunny California windsurfing, eating sushi while I'm stuck here in the same place I've always been, watching Adam date his way through the entire freshman class. And Remy goes, windsurfing and sushi, I said, at the same time. <laughs> Crack me up. <laughs> loved that. Loved that line. But I did relate a little bit to Lissa in this chapter, even though she's kind of being a bit of a negative Nancy and she's, I don't know, got quite an attitude. But in fairness to her, she dated this guy, Adam, and they applied to college together and they had this whole future set up and he just yanked it right from under her. Yeah. But I was like, yeah, I think that's a very common thing, especially at that age. I still feel it today in my 30s where you don't feel like you're on the same level as your friends. We are like, all my friends are succeeding and they know what to do. And they've, you know, like right now I'm like, and my one friend's bought a house and they've done this and they've got this job and I'm failing. And I think she's going through that where she was like, I had this plan. I thought that I was on the right tracks. I thought all me and my friends were on the same like page on the same level. And now I feel like I'm failing. And then she has someone like Remy who's going off to Stanford. But here's the secret, everyone. Everyone feels like they're failing because Remy feels like she's failing. So yeah, that's that's basically what it boils down to. It's the whole Instagram versus reality thing. Yeah. Like we're all yeah. living the reality. No one is actually living the Instagram. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've been having a hard time with that lately because I'm in kind of a low point in my life in a lot of ways. In a lot of ways, I'm very blessed. I have a wonderful fiance and I'm getting married and I'm, I'm getting a new job and there's so many good things happening. But, um, you know, I live with my mother-in-law and that can be draining when you're seeing people you grew up with having like their third kid and getting a yeah. custom house built. And you're like, what am I doing wrong that I don't have any of the, these things? And you're not doing anything wrong. First of all, what's their parents' financial situation like? And <laughs> What were the connections they had? Like, not everybody is on the same playing field. And also, it's like, you don't know. Maybe their marriage is actually terrible. Like, you don't actually know what's going on in people's lives. You know, you just count your own blessings. Nobody is a failure, in my opinion. Nobody. Exactly. Yeah, everyone's on their own different track. We're all just doing the best we can. <laughs> we're doing the best we can in late-stage capitalism. It's... You the truth. The eggs are $8. We're all doing the best we can. Okay. Yeah. Guys, listen, we're living in a world <laughs> where eggs are like $8. The fact that you woke up today and got out of bed, you're doing your damn best. And I'm proud mm -hmm. of you. And I just wanted to let you know that. So that's all you have to do. That's all you do. have to do. Friggin', Shoot. if you need to delete Instagram off your phone for a week, do it. I promise yeah. you, you're not going to miss anything. Okay. You're going to miss nothing. That's how I feel. I feel that's fair. That is fair. But yeah, Alyssa's like really depressed because she, I do think it's going to be hard for her to have freshman year with that guy. She should probably consider transferring. Yeah. 
I mean, considering that, yes, they're going to the same university, but considering that this university is based off the University of North Carolina, it's a pretty big university. Like, you hopefully won't run into them too much, you know? Like, if she hangs out with Delia from Boca Raton <laughs> and stays away from whatever Adam is doing, chances are, well, chances are you will run into him at mm-hmm. Topo, he's not, or, or he's not on Franklin Street. But other than that, you probably won't run into him. So Franklin Street is small. University of North Carolina, big. Franklin Street, small. <laughs> but you might meet somebody else, or you might realize that your life is thriving. You might become best friends with Delia. Who knows? Like, college knows? is... It's a whole new adventure. It's a whole new thing. Like, your life is about to change in such a drastic way. Like, just be patient. And I do appreciate that Remy can at least see that. Like, she keeps telling all the other girls, like, we're in the in-between. Like, this is, yeah. we have this whole new thing starting. And I was like, that's very wise beyond her years to be able to understand that. Because most teenagers the summer before college cannot see that. That's something that usually comes years later. So I have oh, yeah, that respect for, sure. for her for being able to understand that. Mm-hmm. So then they walk by. Here it is. They walk by the Clarence section and and Remy sees a plastic set of cutlery, a plastic set of cutlery. And she thinks immediately about the yellow house. There's no plates. There's no silverware. There's nothing. They have one plate, a few mismatched forks and one spoon. And so without even thinking spoon, one spoon. So without even thinking, she just picks up that set of cutlery and puts it in her cart. And then this sends her into like a full mental spiral where she's she like, no, really is having a moment in linens and things like she, she really, really is. is. She like I'm throws sorry, it at one point and Lissa is like, what's going on? And I mean, she's just absolutely spiraling. Like at one point I wrote, OK, so here we go. She's like. Not like plastic picnic wear, which would probably be around to greet the roaches after the final nuclear holocaust. True. Plus, <laughs> if you really went deep into the meaning of gifts, dishes equaled food. Food equaled sustenance, and sustenance equaled life, which meant that by giving him, giving even one plastic fork, I was basically saying I wanted to take care of Dexter forever and ever. Amen. Yikes. I loved this spiral. I legitimately <laughs> loved this spiral. I was like, oh, girlfriend, it's just, it's just some flatware. Like, it's fine. It's he, they have one spoon and you like this guy and you're trying to do a nice thing for him. And she just officially went to silverware, you get food and food equals sustenance and this, da, 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 and she's gone. But also, we've all been there where. Yeah you're telling someone like this weird spiral that you had and people are like, Jesus Christ. Like that's where your mind went. You're like, yes, that is where my mind went. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're like, yeah, yeah, I, this is too much commitment for me. This is so much. And so Lissa kind of sees this and she, she's kind of understanding what's going on. So she picks up the cutlery and she kind of goes on this really long, like, should I buy this? Maybe I won't buy this. And it's very long and it's very drawn out. Um, And it's basically just to get Remy to buy it because she must realize what's happening. It's very obvious. At first I was like, oh, she's just being annoying. But then 
you know, she left it in her trunk, tied in a little knot. Like she knew what she was doing. So Lissa, you're a real one. For you're that. a real one here, Lissa. I love this. I love this whole scene. Her spiral, Lissa, like goading her to get it. And and then we get to Dexter's house. And he is like, and she's like, no, 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 it's nothing. Don't look in the bag. It's nothing. Just leave it alone. It's nothing. And he's like, huh, this is plastic wear. I need plastic wear. And he's just kind of like, you know, kind of flirting with her, kind of like teasing her a little bit. And she's obviously like, oh, my God, it's nothing. Please stop talking about it. And he's like, you bought me some forks and knives and spoons because, no, I said loudly, you love me. And he's just kind of like teasing her and she's still like really freaking out. She's like, oh, my God, this is crazy. I'm like, obvious. she's obviously like in love with him. I mean, it's obvious. And she's kind of like freaking out about it. And then (laughs) the door and then she's standing out there, you know, like having this whole panic attack in her head. And then she looks at the front door and he's just holding a fork out like (laughs) like enticing her to come into the door and like from start to finish this whole situation is incredible like it's literally it's golden 10 out of 10 notch it's everything the second i started reading this scene i was grinning like an idiot the entire time Mm -hmm. recapping it i've been grinning like an idiot i instantly was transported back to i think i want to say eighth grade is about the time I read this. Yeah, because I think I said 2004 the other day. So that that place is about right. I read it. I loved it. I let my friend borrow it. And for some odd reason, we had, I can't remember what, what it was, but we had like a quiet time. It was almost like a homeroom type thing, but we never had homeroom. I can't remember what it was, but we had to do, I think it was like on Tuesdays, you had to do like 20 minutes of quiet reading or something in like your fifth period. I have no idea what it was, but I remember it. And we were sitting and I think it was my science class. I had let my friend Diana, who I've mentioned previously before on this uh, podcast, borrow the book. And she got to this plastic wear scene and it's dead quiet in this classroom. And she was laughing out loud. And I instantly I got to this part and I was like transported back to my science class in eighth grade. It's one of my favorite scenes in any Sarah Destin book. I, yeah, I just think it's perfect. <laughs> it's perfect. Like it it really is perfect. And I wrote, I drew like a smiley face and I was, and it looks terrible in the margins, but I was like, this sucks, but I'm smiling so hard in real life. Like I am like <laughs> giddy, just loving every single second of this. I, it, it hurts my soul that Remy is like not able to appreciate what's happening in the moment. Like I can't wait for her to eventually be like succumb to the love because we get to it later. But even when there's pain and heartbreak and relationships end, like the love itself is still worth it. Like I would, you know, like my, I've brought this up like a thousand fucking times, but it's kind of like, the biggest thing going on in my life right now, but my boyfriend from high school died um, suddenly in, in November. And I like, it's been so painful and hard to deal with, but I'm like, I would never trade all those years that I had with him in for literally anything, even though this is like one of the hardest things I've ever had to grapple with because it's like love. That's it's what is grief. If not love persevering. 
I mean, I know we've all quoted it, but ding dang, that Marvel writer who wrote that line. God damn, that's mm-hmm. good. That's a good line. That's a fucking good line. It's so good. And the fact mm-hmm. that it came from like a silly Marvel show like that. Mm-hmm. Like, honestly, that show was really good. And then no, that really show was beautiful. Development and the mm-hmm. Doctor Strange movie. And I'm still really mad about it, but that's a whole other tangent no, for another that's... time. But that is a great line. That is totally true. Yeah, we get a conversation between Remy and her mom, which is so funny because usually I think that Remy is the smart one and, you know, Barbara is just oh Barbara. But mm-hmm. I think that her mom actually brings up some really good points and we'll yeah. get to it. Maybe not this episode, maybe <laughs> the next one. I can't guarantee y'all. But I think, yeah, I think some people are so worried about things ending that they don't let themselves enjoy what they've got going on. And which is that whole, the office, why don't we know we're in the good times until whatever, how that ends. Mm-hmm. But that is so true. Like, and that's a good line that resonates with people for a reason as well, because yeah, it's, it's totally, it's, you know, love is worth it, even if it doesn't last. And I don't know why, what is that? Oh my God. Here's another, Ooh, Bethany mentions yet another show she watched. <laughs> you know a show's really good. Again, it shouldn't have been as good as it was. But did you ever watch a show Greek? It was on like ABC Family Now Freeform. Yes. <laughs> that show was amazing. That it show was. was honestly so good. Another UNC connection. They filmed some of that at UNC. That show was so good for it being an ABC Family show. But it, first of all, not enough things depict college life, which I think should be depicted more. Because as I have said before, and I will stand by college is such a coming of age as well i don't know mm-hmm. why it's like high school and it's like no you like have a whole second coming of age in college but anyways it was a great show and i remember the one episode where they're talking about like people only count as a success if it like like a happy ending if it's forever but some stories aren't meant to be forever and that's fine like some stories are short yeah. stories but that doesn't mean they weren't great love stories and i think that our girl remy like really needs to learn that but yeah that like stupid like line about love stories or whatever and a silly show on abc family has stuck with me clearly for years because i will always remember that i'm like just because it didn't last doesn't mean it's a failure like true <laughs> yeah i know like people think like people have that mindset and i think it stems really from like religion and like the patriarchy but they have that mindset of like if i like if i'm getting married it's forever if i'm getting married i'm never getting divorced and it's like of course, that's the goal, but getting divorced doesn't necessarily mean that you're a failure or your relationship yeah. was a failure. Like, do you know how hard it is to do you know how many times you change in life? Like if you get married when you're like 23, by the time yeah. you're 30, you're a completely different person. Like, yes, you, it, <laughs> 100%. Yeah. If you, you know, if your relationship doesn't work out, like, that's okay. It's okay if your marriage doesn't last forever. Like these kinds of things we put so much, like again, that like theme of failure, like failure's not real. Yeah. So just enjoy the good. And if bad comes, you know, it comes and it always It'll does, come, unfortunately. But it won't, but. yeah, it won't lessen the good that, that exactly. also was there. That's life, baby. That's showbiz. That's showbiz. That's showbiz, baby. <laughs> also, this I've been meaning to say since, like, we started reading this lullaby. And it popped in my head because we were talking about all of that. It also, my mind just always goes to Taylor Swift. Sorry, guys. But, I mean, sorry, not sorry. 
it's the life I live. I just, I'm here living, you know, it's Taylor Swift's world. I'm just living in it. But in the song happiness, you know, like there's happiness after you, there's happiness because of you. Like both of those things can be true. And I'm like, yeah, right there. Mm-hmm. Summed up. Boom. Of course, obviously we'll be giving Remy a Taylor Swift playlist as we is our now new favorite thing to do. But I have to say this lullaby, there's one song I have to put on the playlist that will not be Taylor Swift because the second I heard this song, I have always associated it with associated. I can't even say associated it with (laughs) this lullaby all the way back in 2009 when this album came out. And I thought about the other night because on the discord, I was talking about my love for Paramore, but the only exception has always and will always for me be a Dexter and Remy song. Literally the first time I ever heard that song, I instantly thought of this book. I like to this day, I think of this book when I hear that song and whenever Netflix makes this movie and Michael Ann directs it, my one request, Michael Ann, can you please make sure the only exception is in the movie? Absolutely. I'll be (laughs) like, I don't know who I have to talk to because I've never worked on a movie before, but I am the director (laughs) And the writer of this lullaby on Netflix. And I will have You Are the Only Exception in this song. That will be in this movie or so help me God. I will walk off this set and they're going to be like, yeah, um, okay, yeah, we can do that. But also, did you, I'm sorry, did you just say you have never worked on a movie but you were directing this one? And you're like, yes, I did say that. You know what we should start doing making like our dream cast for each book like if each book was a movie because how have we not done this already yes we do have to do that what Mm -hmm. have we been doing what have we been doing cast dexter but again if this movie would have been filmed in 2004 i'll have a dexter for if it was filmed now and who i always dream cast dexter as since i read it I want to know if you can guess. So Adam Brody? Yes. <laughs> it's Adam Brody. 100%. And to this day, again, I read this in 2004. I was obsessed with Adam Brody. I mean, I still am obsessed with Adam Brody. But to this day, when I read this lullaby, that is who I picture. It's like 2004 Adam Brody. Yeah. So there you go. Now y'all know I what I'm picturing. I can definitely see that. I, is anyone else picturing anything else but that? Because I mean, I to know. No, like now that you like right when you said it, you were like, can you guess? I'm like, it's Adam Brody. Like it has yeah. to be Adam Brody. Like has from Brody. like, oh yeah, we need to do like a 2004 casting and then like a 2023 casting. Cause yes. Yeah. We should cast like when the, like around the time the book came out, like who would have been the hip hopping people to have cast in it. And then in this day and age, like who actually would fit the role. We will be lucky if we make it through three chapters tonight. Let's be honest. I know. We're already an hour in. We're still on the second chapter. I mean, listen, people, there's only 15 Sarah Dessen books. And like, at, for now, there's only for 15 now. Yeah, for now. There could be some coming down the pipe any minute. But we might as well stretch them out because like, we have a limit. Yeah, this is, this is our whole shtick is reading Sarah Dessen books. So. I know. What are we going to do when we run out? What's- once we're out of them, I don't know what we do. Do we find a new YA author to read? I don't know. You guys That's tell what I was me. thinking. I was like, maybe we can find another like iconic YA not, and then just yeah. like wait for Sarah because she's obviously not done being an author. Right. Yeah, so. well, for sure. Anytime she comes out with a new book, like we'll reconvene to read them and discuss them mm-hmm. because now that is my like. What will I do? Like, I won't be able to just read a Sarah Dessen book. I'll need to discuss. Yeah, it. <laughs> yeah. Literally, it's it's like it's this is our lives now. <laughs> um okay so back to the book this scene oh god the best 
plasticware. So good. So mm. good. So now we are getting to uh, Babs being almost done with her book. There's certain tells. She starts playing the Beatles, which is very <laughs> interesting. And they're kind of her and Chris are like chatting about like which Beatles album it was, which was funny. I did like that conversation. Yes. <laughs> so then we kind of see that Don is really just being like the worst roommate ever and finishing the bread and just leaving the butts. And oh, I will tell you, I, I always that. if I finish the bread and all that's left is the butts, I just throw it out. Trash just, it. Nobody's yep. going to eat those. Nope. Actually, except for my father, he will eat them. I, he's weird. But so when I growing up, we left them for him. But in my adult life, no, just trash them. <laughs> my father. This is so random, but something that just sticks with me about my father is that he will just cut a slice of butter from a stick of butter and then just mm. pop it right in his mouth. Paula Dean is shaking, right? <laughs> Like, like, I walk into the kitchen and I see him do it. And I'm like, butter. I'm like, Dad, what the hell are you doing? And then he laughs. That is something. <laughs> he does his wow. little giggle. I love butter, but that to me, wow, that's Boomers. that's a whole whole other level. Boomers. Boomers. One hundred percent. Also, I love that they keep a list in the fridge labeled "groceries needed." My ADHD ass needs one of those. <laughs> that is honestly very clever. I was like, oh, that's smart. Yeah, because then you finish something, you immediately write it down. No thoughts. So she, her mom's like, bring me some coffee. So she goes and brings her coffee. The room smelled like vanilla. She has, Babs has house lipstick, which I'm, (laughs) I love that. Same. She, so then we kind of get to see like another little insert of the book that she's writing And, you know, it looks like she's writing a book about a woman who's in a unhappy marriage. Yeah. Kind of settling, which I thought was very interesting. The shoe fits where it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then um, Remy's kind of like, damn, I hope this isn't like coming off of her life. And it wasn't like Luke, the cold new husband, had a fondness for insurers or anything, I hoped. (laughs) Swans were used by Romans instead of guard dogs. I wonder if that's true. If so, that seems... Interesting fact. That's... You know what? I want to be like, I hope that's true. And I also hope, you know, when you're writing something and you do anything to procrastinate writing it and you're like, I'm just going to like research this one little thing. And then you go down a rabbit hole. I hope that that came from one of Sarah Dustin's like days where she was like, all right, sitting down, cracks her knuckles, going to write this lullaby. Okay. And then she ended up going this whole like internet search about swans. And she's like, damn it. If I'm not using that in the book somewhere. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. She's like, I got to put this in here. (laughs) i also like this is when chris is like leaving for work and remy's talking to her mom about dexter and she's all like i like him same babs i agree and she says that chris uh left with a mountain dew his version of coffee in one hand and i was like 
That sounds like a 21-year-old guy in 2002. Yeah. Just cranking mm-hmm. back the dudes. From the self. Of, yeah. Yeah. I was like, I knew so many of those people. Mm-hmm. So, yes, that's accurate to me. It, when you are serving in Florida, it's like always the most country people who come in wearing like camouflage and Crocs that are like, do you have Mountain Dew? And yep. I'm like, no restaurant has Mountain Dew. None. Except for no. Hard Rock Cafe has Mountain Dew, oddly enough. Hey, that's a fun fact. Yeah, Fun and fact. then they ask if you have Dr. Pepper, and you tell mm-hmm. them no because you work at a theme park and it's very standard Coke products. And then they're like, oh, that's right. We're in Florida. And I'm like, bitch, I was born and raised in Florida, and my vein, I'm literally drinking Dr. Pepper right now as we record this. <laughs> my veins probably have more Dr. Pepper than they have blood in them. It's not because you're in Florida. It's because you're at Universal that has a Coke contract that's very limited. Like, get that comment all the time though and i think it's very weird like someone from like alabama is like oh we forgot we're in florida they don't have dr pepper here what yeah we do (laughs) (laughs) or they'll be like do you have dr pepper and you're like no and they're like do you have mr pib and it's like bitch if we had fucking mr pib i would tell you or when you're like hi everyone we have coke diet coke sprite orange soda sweet tea unsweet tea and lemonade what would you like to drink and they're like can you have a dr pepper and you're like, did you hear did me I say, say Dr. Pepper? Did you hear me say Dr. Pepper? The rants I could go on about <laughs> listing off goddamn Coke products that you have. And then someone ordering a Dr. Pepper or root beer. And then the next person does the same damn thing. And they're sitting right next to each other. You don't understand. If I have a public service announcement to the world. Listen to your server when they list off their drinks, their soft drinks that they have. In order from that list. Do not then ask them, but do you? No. No. You're banned here. <laughs> you like list all of them and they're like, Dr. Pepper? No. Mr. Pib? No. Orange soda? No. Coke? Sprite? Lemonade? Pick a goddamn normal drink. You're at a refrigerator. You're yeah. not at the grocery store. You thought the server rants were over after keeping the moon? <laughs> you thought wrong. I can... We could incorporate a server rant into Sarah doesn't got a little I in this book she like said a little something about oh when she's out on the date with that one guy and comes up and I was yeah. like, Oh, Sarah was still feeling her server rants too. Get mm-hmm. it, girl. <laughs> Get it, girl. So yeah, so she he's got the Mountain Dew and his her mom's like, I think he's gonna buy her a ring soon. I just have a feeling. Um, which I have a feeling about that as well. But yes. they're very young, so maybe pump the brakes. And she says, oh, my Remy, only you understand, I guess, her mother and her mother's obsession with love and new relationships. And she says, I knew what she meant, and yet I didn't. I was a lot like my mother, but not in ways I was proud of. If my parents had stayed together and grown to be old hippies singing protest songs as they washed dishes after dinner, maybe it would have been different. If I'd ever seen what love really could do or was made really could do or was maybe I'd have believed it in it from the start, but too much of my life had been spent watching marriages come together and then fall apart. So I understood. Yes. But sometimes like lately, I wish that I didn't not at all. So she still has this like immense baggage from watching her mom go from relationship to relationship. And she's like, I wish that I could give myself fully to Dexter, but I know that I can't because ultimately like my reservations about this are just holding me back. Yeah. 
Oh, Remy. Remy. <laughs> rem, 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 rem. Then we get to the laundry scene, which is another adorable moment. And I'm sorry, mm-hmm. I have to side with Dexter here. I, I just throw in my soap at the beginning. I don't wait until it's all the way full. So I'm sorry to disappoint you, Remy. I don't think she would like the way that I wash clothes. No. Um, I also don't separate lights from dark. So just toss them all in there. So Yeah. I, I think am. that's something that used to be more of a thing and is not as much of a thing or it depends on what temperature you wash your stuff like mm-hmm. if you wash things on cold you can mix whatever or i don't know like i don't know there's weird rules that i don't yeah. entirely understand but i don't think it's as like harsh of rules as it used to be supposedly mm-hmm. like, yeah it's it's if you use cold water it doesn't matter and i always use cold yeah. water because it's better for the environment whatever blah blah yeah. blah Exactly. And like your water bill and your clothes, I think, in general. So everyone's yeah. a winner. Everyone just use cold water. Okay, thanks. Yeah. Thanks for coming yeah. to my TED Talk. <laughs> Turn that knob to cold and then move along. <laughs> You're good to go. <laughs> I also love that he keeps saying colors and brights and she keeps correcting him yes. colors and whites, which I thought was really funny as well. This is also where we get our first tangerine sighting. That's another thing I had very weird, vivid memories of from this book. I was like, yes, he gets the tangerines. And like everyone in the yellow house is always eating tangerines. And it makes me very happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is where oh, I have. Okay, this is another this chapter that just like another scene that just makes me so happy, which is the power getting disconnected and how everyone blames Ted and then Dexter calls Ted and Ted is actually like, no, Dexter, this is on you. You are supposed to do it. And so then Remy helps him like smooth things over and is like, you owe the house something nice because you messed up by not paying the power bill. And now the electricity has been shut off and the guys are debating like, Oh, do our laundry, clean the bathroom. And he's like, no, God, no. And they finally decide on beer. So he like slips them a 20 and they get the hell out of there. But I loved this part. <laughs> this, is so this is another I laughed out loud moment. So Remy's, you know, looking at the bill. She turns it over and she says that that um, if they didn't pay it by yesterday, they were going to cut the power off. So, you know, John Miller's like, oh, wow, wow, that how that surpassed us. And Lucas says, yesterday, Lucas said thoughtfully, wow. So they gave us like a half day over that. That's mighty generous of them. <laughs> I just love like the whole like half glass full attitude of that. Like mm-hmm. I love that none of them really take this seriously, which is maybe like a little immature and maybe they should be a little bit more concerned about the fact that no one remembered to pay the power bill and it has now been shut off. But I love that. I don't know. Like they're just the type of people who like don't let things bother them. They're like, well, it's mighty generous that they gave us that extra, you know, <laughs> half a day. <laughs> I also thought I also laughed out loud when uh, Dexter gets off the phone with Ted and he's like, so Ted has it under control and meaning I asked, meaning that he's really pissed because apparently I was supposed to pay the power bill. So who wants to tell ghost stories? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, like I, like all of them, Lucas, Dexter, like they all crack me up so much in this scene. I was like, mm-hmm. you guys crack me up. So yeah, they run off to buy the beer. So that way he's made it up to them. And Remy's basically like, if you were my roommate, I'd kill you. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you'd learn to love it. <laughs> it's like, I think she kind of already does. Yeah, he says, 
I think, he said, that you are actually secretly attracted to all the parts of my personality that you claim to abhor. And I think that's correct. I think she actually is, like, super in love with him. And also yep. it's true. Uh, accept it. And then this whole next bit is super sweet because the other boys have run off to buy beer. So, of course, now they're left alone. And he's like, why do you like me? And she's like, oh, my God, we're not doing this. Like, I'm not getting into this. <laughs> and then he starts listing off all the things that he likes about her, which is very sweet. And he tells her, much like we discussed about my husband, that he comes off as this hard guy, but he's really big old softy. And that's very similar to Remy. He says that about her. And he's like, you bought me plastic wear. And she's still on the whole, it was on sale, I yelled, God. <laughs> just, just, he's like, you're really nice to my dog. And so he calls her beautiful and how she helps with his laundry. And, you know, she's so great. And so he asks, you know, what do you like about me? And she's like, you're pretty good looking. And he's like, pretty good looking. I called you beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, would you like to be beautiful? Are you saying I'm not? Like, they're just, I could listen to the two of them just with their little banter back and forth all day. They're just the (laughs) sweetest. He says, I'm kidding. I'll stop. God, relax, would you? I'm not asking you to recite the Declaration of Independence at gunpoint. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then she's like, that would be easier. <laughs> oh, Remy, you here. The whole relationship thing is just you are not a fan. And then, mm-hmm. you know, he basically concedes and he says, you know, it doesn't matter why you like me, just that you do. Which, no. No. Dexter. Dexter so continue cute. to just win me over. Oh and my god. It's chapter 10. We did it. One hour in, we got through two chapters. Whoop, 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 whoop. Chapter 11. Here we go. So (laughs) Chloe and uh, Chloe, her worst friend who I don't like. I think this is the chapter where I have a lot of notes about Chloe. Is this the Mm. one? Probably. (laughs) I, I have a lot to say about Miss Chloe as well. But they're giving Monkey a little bath and giving clipping his nails. And it's yes. so cute. Fade day for Monkey. He deserves it. He does. He does deserve it. And then we find out that Chloe's mom has some fancy-ass grass, which I just want to say um, grass is not good for the environment and you should replace it with something else. It's true. Grass is not native to this country. It's not wild. It is That's so wild. crazy. I'm like, what do you mean grass isn't native to this country? And why are we forcing it? Yeah. And why have we been, like, who? Again, <laughs> this is such a <laughs> random tangent, y'all. But, but, like, things like that, you're like, who decided one day? They're like, we should have grass. Like, let's go get some grass. Because it's everywhere now. It's you know everywhere. What I mean? So, like, who, who decided that? And w- yeah. we all went with it. That's why. Who brought the grass over? Like, the weird things we decide we should plant here. Like, not just grass. I mean, obviously that being the main one, but just, anyways. It's a whole nother story the for a whole shit we've time. done to this country is just, like, like, why are we here? Like, we're, we here? we're white. We're here. Why are we here? <laughs> I don't know why I'm upset about the grass when really it's, like, <laughs> why are we here? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I should be in Lithuania that, or whatever People the that look like me, people <clears throat> look this pale as we should not be here. You know no. what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. I should be back in Ireland where, you know, whatever my ancestors came from. Yeah. Which is where I should be. But, alas, some people alas, did some things. And we're here. here. 
and we can't afford eggs and health insurance is impossible to get. What are we doing here? What are we doing here? What, is what are we doing? <laughs> are we human or are we dancers? You know, like at the end of the day, that's what it boils down to. <laughs> That's like exactly this what it boils down to. It's brought to you by wine, <laughs> by my moving delusions, and <laughs> I don't even know what else. And grass, apparently. And grass and plasticware. <laughs> we love it. Oh, this shit. is the hate spinner bait promise. We are going to get through at least the needle drop, at least through a <laughs> hate spinner bait tonight. We're going to get through H199. After that, I can't guarantee anything. I can't promise anything at this point. We've I mean, shit's rail. gotten off the rails. Off the fucking rails. Sometimes kind of morbid way. I I am also, I think it is the wine. I'm like hot now. Ooh, yeah, right. I know. I wish I could. I wish I filled my glass up last time I went pee, but. Okay. Here we go. We're back. Monkeys get yeah. in a bath. Yeah. <laughs> That's how we got on the top of your Yes. Um, yeah. Oh, fucking Chloe is like, I can't believe how low you've stooped giving this beautiful elderly dog the bath that he needs. This is miserable. <laughs> how like, dare okay, you? Chloe. <laughs> Shut like, up, Chloe. You're going to you're gonna take it out on a harmless dog? Look at his cute little face. I don't know what it looks like, but I, I can imagine. But I'm certain he's adorable. I'm certain. I like that his shampoo smells of citrus. I had a terrible smelling dog shampoo at one point too, and I was like, "This is terrible." They really should make dog shampoos that smell better. It's like eight out of ten are usually bad, and you find like two that you're like, "Oh, this one actually doesn't smell god mm-hmm. awful." I know. Oh, and this is where. So we take Monkey back to the Yellow House and we learn a little bit about the collage that is starting on the wall (laughs) since Dexter and Lucas. Is Lucas the other one that works at Flash Camera? Why am I? I'm pretty sure now. Yeah. Yes. yes, Since they work at Flash Camera, that's what like they have to bring to the house is the decor, so to speak. (laughs) Uh, Ted, since he works at Mayor's Market, he's the one bringing the tangerines and John Miller is constantly on like a coffee high because he works at Jump Java. So those are all the things that they kind of contribute. And she's explaining how, you know, they, of course, since they're boys, they start kind of naughty. Like it's photos of this girl, like trying to take a Playboy-esque photo. But of course it's, there's like cat litter in the background. So it's not <laughs> exactly what the, <laughs> the, the people were probably going for. And then it just turns into like other weird, funny things. And Remy says, like, you know, if these people only knew that they're, you know, on this little house off Merchant Drive, their personal memories are being slapped up on a wall and showcased as art for strangers. And part of me is like, yeah, it is a little weird. And then the other part of me is like, yep, that is something that 20 year olds boys would do for sure. They would do that if they had them uh, at the ready for them. And we also yeah, learned absolutely. again, solidifying how much of a absolute charmer dexter is that they are both technically hired as technicians and dexter was terrible at it but he's so charming that the person that the boss you know the manager at flash camera was like hey i'm gonna still pay you technician money which is better money than like the counter person but we just need you to basically go be a customer service guy because you're really great with people but you're not great at film at Mm -hmm. pictures 
And that makes Lucas very upset because he's like, I'm doing way more work, a more technical job, but you're getting the same pay just to chat it up with people. And it's like, be more charming, Lucas. And you too could have that sounds that like too. That sounds like a restaurant manager getting mad at a server because they make more money than them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep and it's like oh you made that choice to go into management yeah. who told you you had to be a manager nobody yeah. that was that was your choice it was an interesting choice. one but it was a choice it sure was so this is when we find out that ted i believe got met a woman from a record label and she is coming to see them at uh, play at um oh I forget the name of the place that they play at Bendo Bendo for some reason in my head I was like deboned <laughs> uh, would it be better if it was named that maybe maybe and then and then it happens we it get happens. on page one ninety nine. They're talking about how this could be nothing, but it could be something because that's what happened to Spinnerbait. And on page 199, John Miller says, hate Spinnerbait for the first time. Boom! It has officially been entered into the lexicon of Sarah Land. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hate Spinnerbait, baby. Iconic. Iconic so iconic honestly just such a great the use of it through the rest of this book is fantastic the use of it through again i know just listen other ones and it definitely comes up in other future novels and yeah it is Mm -hmm. obviously the name of our lovely little podcast so yeah the amount of joy i got because i've just been waiting for it like i'm like i obviously know it's coming i know it's coming i know it's in this book that's where we got it from and I'm waiting, waiting, waiting. And then finally it happened. And I literally was just like, yeah. <laughs> I know. I was like, yeah. It took like a hundred pictures. I was like, picture, 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 picture. it's happening. Page 199. It's happening. Kate Spinnerbait. So this is when we find out that Spinnerbait is a band who got signed. And now they're kind of like too big for their britches. And Truth Squad thinks that they are better than them. And they're like, we hate Spinnerbait. Spinnerbait sucks. And we also hate spinnerbait here. We also hate spinnerbait a lot. Mm-hmm. We tell yep. you at the beginning of every episode. Another yep. exciting thing happens. Literally iconic two pages here. One ninety nine. Boom. Mm-hmm. Hate spinnerbait. Very next page, we find out who the manager of the Jump Java is, and if it isn't one of our most beloved favorite characters, Scarlet herself is back, baby. Scarlet. And Grace is mentioned, and I'm I'm just so happy. Also, we find out that Chris and Scarlet dated, which I was like, ew, ew, Scarlet is way too good for Chris, which Remy agrees with. So, and I was like, fascinating. Also, you know what's sad about this, though? Hmm. Is that Scarlet didn't end up with the guy that she was good friends with. Which I, that that does make me sad. I'm so happy to see her back. I totally mm-hmm. understand why John Miller is crushing on her because same, same. John Miller. Same. Like, she's fantastic. Yeah. I totally understand why you have the hots for her. But I was like, no, she, oh God, I already forgot his name. Cameron. Cameron, I think. Yeah, I loved their vibe. And I know they technically ended that novel as friends. 
But, you know, we had canon where we thought they would all end up. And clearly that's not where she ends up, which makes me mm-hmm. sad. But she is doing very well. She is taking classes at the university, raising a three-year-old, and a, a manager at Jump Java. So, of course, girl, I don't know of how you're handling all of that. But, of course, you're doing amazing. And you're just going to be doing even more amazing things, I'm certain, in the future after this novel. But mm-hmm. I'm so happy we got to see her again. So that... Yeah. I know. Mm-hmm. I loved that. And we get like a lot of her, which I was like, it's not yeah. just like you see her in passing. It's like, no, we get to like talk to like, her. So we, yeah, really we actually cool. get to hang out with her, which makes me very, very happy mm-hmm. for sure. And this is also where, and again, this is just like Dexter is so like intuitive when it comes to Remy, which again is why they're just perfect for each other. Absolutely. Because of course, like this is exciting news. 100% it is like an A&R person is coming to their show. This is a big deal. They've been working hard. You know, obviously their goal is to be a real working touring band. So they're all excited. And Remy, of course, is supportive and excited for them. But she feels this little twinge of something like, oh, wait, okay, no, this should be good. I should be happy about this. This definitely means that we'll have that end date if he gets a record deal and goes off touring and stuff or goes to D.C. to play bigger shows. But she's kind of feeling some feelings like, oh, wait, he might be taken away from me. And Dexter immediately picks up on it. And he's like, you okay? You look weird. And of course, she tries to play it off like, thanks, God, like you're saying I look weird. Like, that's not very nice. And he's like, no, I just mean you seem and and of course, he gets cut off because a band meeting is called. But I love that, like, she isn't even completely aware that something is wrong with her and he can pick up on it. And I, I yeah, I just when I saw that, I was like, Dexter, bless your heart that <laughs> you immediately could pick up on that something was wrong. And he really was trying to have a conversation with her and talk about it of course he kind of ends up getting brought up in the band meeting so they don't get to discuss it but i like the effort there i appreciate it i do it. yeah like he clearly wanted to stick around and reassure her but he just like wasn't able to um which happens so then we're at bendo um they're like the a and r chick still hadn't shown up and they're kind of like screwing up their set because they're all so nervous. So they're kind of like doing things wrong. And we see John Miller sitting with Scarlet. Scarlet's here, our girl. Yes, Scarlet. She's an adult now. Oh, I love it. Also, Ted says, pathetic, totally blowing us off and the band's future for a chick. That's Yoko Ono behavior. And I just want to defend Yoko Ono here because I listened to the You're Wrong About episode about her. Highly recommend. And it wasn't Yoko Ono's fault. So stop being sexist. I agree. I also, the second that came up, I was like, here we go. And I do know that that's the old adage. And anytime there's a band and a girl, people are like, oh, Yoko Ono. But it's 100% not true. Also, we, as mentioned before, 100% stand you're wrong about as well mm-hmm. on this show. So, of course, both of us immediately went to that episode because I, too, thought of that episode when I read this bit. And I would just like to say, to reiterate, if you haven't listened to the episode of You're Wrong About, you should go listen to it. You should listen to every episode of You're Wrong About because it is amazing. So but, cool. yeah, John Lennon. I have a very, I'm a very big Beatles fan. Like, very, very, very big Beatles fan. And it always really pisses me off because everyone assumes I'm a Beatles fan because of my parents. Because they're boomers and I'm not a boomer. So, it's like, oh, you only like them because your parents do. My parents, like, the Beatles just fine. They're not big fans. My dad was a Southern rock guy. My mom listened to, like, Kenny Rogers growing up. They weren't listening to, you know, the British Invasion. 
So I like the Beatles because actually, and this is the importance of music education, everyone, my fourth grade music teacher, Mr. Dunn, introduced me to the Beatles and I have loved them ever since. I really got into them like hardcore in high school, but ever since the fourth grade, I, I that was my real introduction to them. Anywho, uh, tangent aside. So I have a complicated relationship though with John Lennon because I do obviously very much respect him as a songwriter and you know it's the whole separate the art from the artist you've heard us rant about JK Rowling but he was kind of a shitty guy and a shitty father and that is is something that needs to be reckoned with and I hate the fact that Yoko Ono always gets blamed when she actually probably made him the best version of himself that he was and that was a good thing that she entered his life because he actually like started being a better person and at least tried to be a better dad and all that jazz and yeah he never gets shit on and she always gets all the blame and that makes me mm-hmm. very mad so well, yes thank you fucking patriarchy <laughs> i went to <clears throat> i went to school freshman year in the bronx because when i was 18 i was like i'm moving to new york city and i'm gonna become a new york city girl and i'm gonna live there forever and then new york city ruined me but um (laughs) i was there freshman year and me and my friend taylor ditched class to go to strawberry fields in central park on his anniversary of his death and we stood around in a big crowd and sang beatles songs and it was really fucking cool a magical moment Mm -hmm. who's your favorite beetle i don't know them well enough Paul McCartney is mine, and I will be truly very sad when he dies because even I mean, though it's a social relationship, I will it will be sad. Mm, that's how I feel about Dolly. He's oh my god, same though. Another great podcast, Dolly Parton. <laughs> this is actually this episode. We're just here to shout out other podcasts that we love. So they're kind of like freaking out. They're like, we didn't do so good. We need to get our shit together and. They're kind of starting to argue over, like, should we do covers? Should we not do covers? So they kind of decide, like, yeah, we need to do a mix of covers and, you know, original stuff. And when they go back up there, um, the record label lady ends up showing up and they actually start doing really well. They start doing a lot better. They are doing the potato song. People are loving it. It's a whole vibe. And then they start to kind of like fall down a little bit with the second potato song I believe and so then they're seeing like okay we're losing the crowd we're losing the record label lady we need to get back on track and that's when they decide to sing this lullaby which obviously then sends Remy into kind of like a emotional spiral she goes into the bathroom and of course our girl Chloe makes sure to be like, Ugh. how dare he? This is the most basic fact about you. Blah, blah, blah. Chloe, eat rocks. Seriously. And it's very clear to me that Dexter didn't want to do it. And I know, yes, he did still go and do the song. But, you know, she's talking about, like, she sees Dexter look back. He's kind of shaking his head no. And then all of a sudden he goes up to the mic and he's doing this song. So it's like he was trying to kind of be like, oh, no, I don't think that's the way to go. But also, you know, a band is a democracy. He yeah. was outvoted. They are trying to obviously get this A&R lady to like them. I believe he said uh, some, which it was either John or Ted, one of them had like come up with a new arrangement of it. Like they'd been practiced, like he, they heard him humming it and they did that or whatever. I mean, that comes up later, but 
you know, I could see it being like, oh, they thought like, hey, this is a popular song. We can show how we like arrange it differently, which makes me think of the Karen Carpenter episode of You're Wrong About, but I'm not going to get into that tangent right now. <laughs> so, so basically because of that, I just, I, yeah, I just want to basically what I'm trying to say is I'm trying to stick up for Dexter here, Chloe, because he didn't want to do it. And yes, I know he did still end up doing it, but I know he was kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. Yeah. Yeah. He, she's just like being very, ugh, um, Remy says here, Chloe, I said softly, shut up, okay. And I wrote a note, but seriously, I was like, for the love of God, Chloe, if I hear one more comment from you. Yeah, like Chloe, like just because you're miserable and cynical, like you should want your friends to still be happy. Like, grow up, Chloe, or you're not going to be able to keep any friends. And that's all I have to say. Yeah. And then this kind of puts her in a mood, though. Like, this kind of sets Remy up to be like a little bit protective her walls are starting to go back up she's starting to be like who is this man very much like my father who barely knows me who somehow thinks he has like a claim on me like no i'm my own person she's starting to kind of go into that spiral of like i need to protect myself um i don't want to be hurt like my father hurt me basically um and so dexter who's very charismatic very good with people is the one who's like talking to the very hot, very attractive record label lady. And she's starting to kind of feel like, okay, this is weird. Um, You know, she's starting to feel like a little jealous. And then Ted. Goddamn Ted. Ted Walks up. Has to F it up. Chloe also says an annoying bit about John Miller because she's all like, Poor you, Chloe said to Scarlett. He's obsessed. He's very nice, Scarlett said. Because, of course, Scarlett is an absolute legend. So she is being nice. Mm-hmm. And Chloe's like, he's pathetic. And I was like, listen here, Chloe. You don't even know him. Disrespect. But, yeah. Let's get to Ted and how he... Oh, Ted. Mm-hmm. Ted. So Ted walks up. I don't even know where I am. I'm just getting ahead of myself here. Oh, my God. He... I, I skipped way ahead, didn't I? Well, uh, no, that's pre- I mean, we're pretty much this is oh, like here Scarlet, we are, here we are, John yeah, Miller, yeah, yeah. and then yeah, and then oh, Ted yeah. is he comes up to to grab the new beers, and then this is when it yeah. goes down where he basically is saying that, like, I think what Ted is honestly, je- Ted is jealous of Dexter because he yeah. wishes he had what Dexter had. Like, Ted yeah. wants to very much be the lead of this group. And he keeps trying to position himself to be the lead in this group. And he's like, I got the A&R lady to come. And of course, Dexter, because like you said, he's charismatic. He's good with people, instantly charms her. Also, Dexter is, for all intents and purposes, the front man, right? Because he's the singer. So I think if you're an A&R person, you kind of, you need your front man to have a personality. So you're going to gravitate toward him and you're going to try to talk to him. Ted takes this personally, which is bad because then he comes up to the bar and tells Remy of all people who already is spiraling that oh you know he's gonna sleep with her and like this is what he always does typical Dexter like and then it screws us out of things like I hope we can still get a chance with this A&R lady because Dexter is gonna sleep with her and then we're gonna skip town and this that and the other thing and Remy Mm -hmm. is obviously she's devastated she's not gonna admit that but she that she thought you know maybe this was different and now she's like, oh, no, am I being bamboozled? Am I just getting with a guy? Like, I, I know this had 
you know, a timetable, a set deadline, so to speak. But I think she's kind of gotten to the point where she hopes it doesn't. And now with this information from Ted, she's like, well, shit, I'm an idiot. And he's going to go hook up with this girl. And like, I mean, nothing to him, which is. Yeah. 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 And when I first started dating Andrew, he's also very charismatic. And also. I was just going to say. Yeah. Why you Dexter because he shares a lot of <laughs> personality traits with Andrew. <laughs> yeah. And we worked at the same restaurant together for uh, like over a year before we started dating. So I kind of knew of like his reputation and kind of like what he had going on. And um, so when we started dating and he would be like talking to another woman, I would be like so insecure, so jealous, like freaking out. And I feel like anyone had walked up to me in those moments and been like, oh, yeah, he's probably going to get in her pants or whatever. I would have like lost my mind. Like I can't, I like from Remy's perspective, like she's pretty like to herself. She's not like super friendly, you know, she's like a very stoic kind of like does her own thing kind of lady. So I can imagine that like, I can, I can just imagine exactly how she's feeling. It's like jealousy. Oh, yeah. It's like, you're terrified. Cause you're like, Oh, I'm not as good of a person as like the girl he's talking to. And and then you have his best friend coming up being like, oh, yeah, he sleeps with a ton of girls. And you're like, oh, OK, well. Shit. Awesome. Great. That's just yeah. what I wanted to hear as I'm already spiraling. And mm-hmm. she goes into typical protective Remy mode where it's yeah. like, no, no, I get to choose when this is over. So she starts talking to Scarlett and is all like, oh, no, I mean, it's not serious. We know we're going to end it at the end of the summer. It's not like he's husband material and gets you know, she's upset and she's kind of taking it out. And she says she notices Scarlet kind of like, give this weird look. She kind of stops abruptly and is like, yeah, you know, Sky was already kind of trying to leave because she's like, got a sitter for sweet little Grace. I really have to go. Like, please tell John Miller, you know, like I had to go. I'm so sorry. And she says like, there was, it almost seemed like something spooked Scarlet, which we are going to unfortunately come to find out that it was Dexter coming up. Of course, as Remy is going on this whole tangent about how he's on husband material, Oh, Remy, mm-hmm. Remy, 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 Remy. And then she flirts with her ex-boyfriend, Jonathan, yeah. and he sees her. It's like, oh, my God. She just, like, clicks into, like, defense mode. Like, I need to protect myself, like, so quick and just, like, sabotages what she has, which is yep. a bummer. But she's like, all right, I'm out of here. I'm done. Like, we're, we're, we're leaving. Because also, like, Chloe and her other friends, well, I guess not really her other friends, but definitely Chloe is like, no, you need to be big, bad Remy. You need to be like hooking up with a bunch of guys like screw this love thing. And so she's like, yeah, you know what? You're right. You're right. Yeah, let's go. Let's get out of here. Yeah, they're all ready to go, which this chapter is another quick Jess aside. This is one of the queer quoted moments for Jess Mm -hmm. where it's like all the girls that night came in trying to chat up at the bar and she says that Jess always, anytime she's chatting with a guy, comes with an excuse. She has to go grab something from her car. I don't know what the other one was. Something to do with her brothers, maybe. Like, oh, I got to go take care of my brothers, whatever. And she never ends up, like, going further than, like, chatting with a guy at the bar. And I was like, because she's a lesbian. Mm-hmm. So, again, further proof. Jess is queer-coded. I stand by that theory. And I cannot wait for the day that she doesn't have to, like, pretend to chat up a guy at the bar. And she could just go chat up some nice girl and some, like hot girl just go be happy yeah. that's what i would like for her very much same i'm gonna write jess fan fiction <gasps> you should 
I should. I'd read it. <laughs> um, yes, Jess. I love that. So, yeah, so they go to a party at the Arbors, which either we've heard of before or my nieces are teenagers now. And so they have me watching like some teenager show. I'm watching Outer Banks right now, um, which is it's something. Let me tell you. And um, (laughs) it just like reminded me of like them going to like rich kids houses, the Arbors. I'm like, yeah. Um, is that where uh is that where Macon lived, maybe? I think I think he may have oh, lived in the arbors. Maybe. I think you were correct. Again, we need that spreadsheet. I think it has been mentioned though. You are I'm pretty sure you're correct. Yeah, ESPN I think you're is right. giving me updates. So don't ask for your updates, ESPN. Oh, sports. I'm not sure I understand. Oh me either, Siri. <laughs> I'm not sure I understand either. <laughs> Honestly, that was perfect. Yeah, that that would be your response. You're like, I don't know, sports. I don't know. I, don't know. I just always pretended when I worked at NBC. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I love sports. Yeah, sports. Go Pats or whatever. Go Pats. <laughs> They're like, you're from Boston. You like the Patriots, right? You're like, yeah. Absolutely. I'm like, hell yeah. Tom Brady, that one guy who was convicted of murder. Hell yeah. I love yeah, Former Florida Gator. Oh my god, look, we both, like, the places we're from have a connection to the murderer. That's great. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Not our proudest moment. No, not our cutest connection. Yeah, basically, they go to this party. It ends up being shit. And then she goes to her house. And when she gets to her house, Dexter is there. And they kind of get into a little fight. He's like, why did you leave the club? Why were you flirting with your ex-boyfriend? Like, what was that all about? Like, he's pretty much like, he has her number. Like, he's like, I know what you're doing, and I'm not going to let you do it. But she does. They do do it. They end up, you know, she's like, I'm, he's like, you're jealous. Like, it's not a big deal. Like, whatever. He's trying to kind of, like, work it out. And then he, this is when we find out that he heard her say that she's not, he's not husband material. And he was just, like, a fun thing to do for the summer. And she's like, you know what? This is just easier. Like, what did you think we would stay together forever? Like, this is no big deal. Like, just. And then whatever Ted said. And and you know that Ted has sabotaged things for him because he's like, I'm not surprised at all that Ted said something to you. And this is what this yeah. is stemming from. So it's like Ted is obviously like a jealous kind of like shitty guy. Um, and. He tries to explain himself and Remy's like, I don't want to hear it. Um, I just I think it's time for us to just call it because I can't do this anymore. Like, I don't. I don't want to, like, have this struggle. Yeah, she tells him that like she, you know, she's like, I don't want to do this whole like true confession things like trust me, you don't want to hear mine. Which, again, is so typical Remy. Mm-hmm. And Dexter, being so typical Dexter, was like, I do, though. And he does. Like, he wants you to open up. He wants, you know, like, every little nook and cranny, dark corner that you think is, you know, all the all the parts of you that you don't like, Remy, he wants. Like, he yeah. wants all of you. And it just makes me so sad that 
you know, she she can't see that. And, yeah, she's just like, no, no, this is better. This is better. We should end this right here and right now. And he's standing there basically basically saying, like, no, I want all of you. Like, I want to know. Like, I want to do the true confessions bit. And, yeah, she's just not having it. And eventually, like, he does let her go. Like, eventually he's like, you know what? Okay. Like, and I think that, as we'll see, like, coming up here in the next couple chapters is, like, I think he knows what he's doing, you know, like he understands Remy. So he knows that like, okay, yeah, I can't push this because if I push this, it'll be even worse. So yeah, I'm just going to let her do her thing. And it's like devastating, honestly, like it, it's, it, you know, she's just running away because she's scared. Yep. And then she said, you know, she was talking about how she, once she got inside, um, she said, I knew this feeling in the 2 a.m. loneliness that I'd practically invented it was always worse right after a breakup. Um, and she said, that's why I started listening to the song in the beginning and took my mind off things. It was the one constant in my life. However, I felt about it. The one thing that had remained a part of me as stepfathers and boyfriends and houses shifted in and out. And it's like, yeah, this like deep, deep, deep loneliness that she has it has just stuck with her and has completely it's like the center of her reality is her like deep loneliness from all of these changes she went through all the time and her father never being around and her mother kind of being like a little flighty, not really paying attention to her, it seems. And it's just so sad because Dexter loved her, I think. And I think he really wanted to be there for her and be her guy. And she just like could not accept it. Like she's just not ready yet. And it's so sad. Yeah, I just, uh, it's so much easier said than done, obviously, to be like, oh, why can't you just see this? And why can't you just get past your hangups? But this is 18 years of ingrained (laughs) trust issues and all of this, you know, and all the other stuff that that entails. So it's not just being like, oh, yeah. And I do think Dexter, A, you know, he respects her boundaries and is like, I'm not going to beg you to love me, you know, like, so obviously that's kind of where they, they leave that. But also, yeah, I think he does know her well enough to be like, you know what, maybe she needs some space from this. Maybe she'll come around. I'm going to try my best to be a presence in her life still. Maybe one day she'll wake up and see it. And if not, that'll suck. But there's nothing I can do. She's she's stubborn and she she has a lot of things to work through and she really needs to as we said you know we talked so much last episode about the shame that she has and how much of that she still carries around and i think she needs to work on on herself before she can really let herself open up to dexter and it's like she started to just a little crack she's opened the door a little crack and started telling him some things but she's not ready yet to to fully open that door which is totally understandable but yeah boy if it doesn't just make me sad though (laughs) and I know and like I think you can really see here that Dexter is offering this true and honest and healthy love because he is saying like okay you clearly need time you need space like I will let you end this even though I think it's the wrong decision because I truly do love you and I want you to be in this fully and not have any reservations. And like, if you feel like you need to work on yourself and be alone, I'm going to let you do that. But I'm right. going to kind of like hang out like a little guy on your shoulder. And, yeah. <laughs> um, I love that. Like, this is like, 
I think I've mentioned this before. If I haven't on the podcast, then I just do in daily life. But um, <laughs> so much of our media up until recently, honestly, has been toxic relationships being glorified as something to aspire to. And I think that's like a big problem in our society. I think that's why we see so many divorces. I think that's why we see so many young marriages and like to see an actual healthy example of love is so refreshing. Like we were watching this movie this weekend on Netflix called you people and like seeing just like a normal, healthy, communicative relationship being portrayed is like so nice to finally see. And I think we are seeing it here in this lullaby, honestly, with Dexter. My baby. I agree. Totally. I, yeah, that is, it's very accurate. I think, which again, we talked about dreamland and why it's so important. And obviously I 100% stand by that, but I think books like this, again, what might seem sort of silly and frivolous and a little teenage girl fodder is equally as important because you know, like this, I'm so grateful that when I was 13, I was reading books like this and reading relationships like this, because that taught me, you know, maybe not even consciously, but subconsciously that that is what a relationship should be like. And someone should respect your boundaries and someone should give you a chance. And, you know, yeah, open communication and all of that is, is really important. And also the fact that, yeah, like he's not Prince Charming, like he's not a perfect guy, like that's not, attainable like no one is yeah. a perfect person and Dexter is certainly not a perfect person and that's okay and so yeah I mean am I saying that reading this lullaby at the age of 13 is why I ended up with a great guy maybe no <laughs> but <laughs> but it probably helped you know? yeah yeah I went through some shit before I got to my yeah. great guy who loves me but we all to go through our dreamland phase you know we're yeah. all about eras yeah. now right you know Taylor Swift made that like very trendy like eras we all went through our dreamland era can we all live through our this lullaby era now mm-hmm. in good healthy relationships yeah mm-hmm. and our keeping the moon era which is like our yeah. female empowerment body positivity era yes. which I also love um, I can't wait till we get to our truth about forever era because Mm, got some feelings about that one. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. I can't wait for all of these. I'm just so excited. I just like I loved Sarah Dessen when I was younger and like my love for her has stuck around that I've always thought about her and I've always thought about her books and and like throughout my whole life. But now rereading them at age 30, I'm like, oh, my God, these books are unbelievable. Like yeah. we as a society, like you know, we go on about the patriarchy all the time, but like, it's true that we associate things that are written for like girls and women and about like love as being like stupid and for non-intelligent people and like frivolous or whatever, but it's 100% not that way at all. Like, I think a lot of times like books by female authors about romance are more important than like you know a lot of things because we're not see we don't see healthy relationships like this portrayed right. in media like we don't Corey and Topanga no when you really look at it I, no. I love boy meets world but I but love boy yeah, meets world there is some issues there with this and like but. one tree hill and like all these shows oh, where you're like gosh. oh my god I stand these couples like this is what we grew up around this is what we're seeing all the time like but we're not seeing like We're not, this is the thing. This is what I'm trying to say. 
we don't see things written by women for women often enough in media. And that's the missing piece. And so having these authors who write books for young girls that show you the strength of female friendships, that show you the strength of believing in yourself is so important and it should be treasured and held up on a high standard. 100%. No. Yeah. Like, I have nothing to add. That was perfect. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, no, no, preach, preach, sister, preach. No, I, and that is, it's so interesting. I say nothing to add is then I add things, but <laughs> that's the hate spinner bit way, y'all. Uh, but no, it's so interesting. Yeah. As you know, Sarah Dustin, like you're saying, a woman writing for women, the, the women she has written, you know, the, the thing is always like, don't write you know, like write interesting women. Like that's all we want. Right. And so far these characters we've had, we have so many, not everyone is perfect. Some of them are honestly very sloppy and messy and have complicated lives, but they are interesting and they are layered and you can understand where all of them are coming from. Even if you don't necessarily agree with them looking at you, Chloe, (laughs) (laughs) but they, they're, they're interesting. And that, and that is exactly like, this is what teenage being a teenager is like, there are certain friends that are just like these great friends and you stay friends with forever. And then there are certain people that you grow up and you're like, Oh God, why did that girl talk to me like that? Why did I listen to her? Mm -hmm. But that is true to life. And that's so important to see reflected here. And it is so nice to go back and reread these. You can tell everyone that we've had a little wine because we're like, and here we go (laughs) on a whole like, yes, Sarah Dustin moment. (laughs) But it's so nice to go back and reread these because again, I have such vivid memories of certain books and fan faves and whatever and I was a little worried because sometimes when you go back and revisit things that you love from your childhood, they do not hold up. And I'm so, 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 so happy to say that mm-hmm. so far I've not been let down. Everything has held up. So yeah, hopefully we continue down that trend, which I'm sure we will. But yeah, I, every time I read it, I'm so impressed by being like, I, the things I was laughing at at 13 are still funny. And the things I that really hit me then are still hitting me and everything. <laughs> like mm-hmm. this just holds up so well. And that is very impressive to me. Mm -hmm. and it's beautifully written the stories are amazingly done like we're not on dreamland anymore but i cannot like say enough good things about dreamland it was very difficult for us to read of course and i probably won't read it again anytime soon but it was so accurate to like what it feels like to be in an abusive relationship and like just the she has so much power like in her writing it just like blows my mind Sarah, we freaking love you. We really, love you, girl. We, we really love you. I think we probably will call it there. Yes. We are getting to August, so we'll leave it. We're going to leave y'all today with the end of July. A little bit of a sad note because, of course, Dexter and Nami have gone their separate ways, but there is hope out there. And, again, it is a very important step in this relationship. You know, healthy relationships do have ebbs and flows and i think dexter is doing the right healthy thing by letting remy go here so i hope you'll join us next week as we dive into august where hopefully things will go a little bit more smooth sailing for for our girl and for everyone else in this book that i love i'm excited to hopefully get to see some more scarlet so happy she's back i know i love that how are things going some more hey spinnerbait references uh i know are coming up so yeah, we'll post an updated schedule because we, we are kind of messing around with things, which again, sorry, but as we mentioned, they're tentative. 
because sometimes things happen. Like you go on a rant about grass or you drink some <laughs> wine and you realize just how much you love. Okay. Yeah. So last week, one more thing, everyone. Last week we discussed my senior picture. We posted it on the gram and Sarah Dessen, because she follows our podcast, Instagram has seen it. Like she has seen that picture now. And if you were to go back and tell like 18 year old Bethany, which she was saying was 17, actually at the beginning of senior year, 17 year old Bethany that, Hey, like this picture you took, like would actually be seen by your favorite author. Like I can't even, so yeah, sorry for a I little know. mushy tonight here at the end, but we're in our feelings about just how much we love Sarah and her writing and her mm-hmm. books. And yeah, again, can't reiterate enough. Sometimes, oftentimes, as we were saying, basically everything that teenage girls like gets shit on. And teenage girls like mm-hmm. really dope stuff. So if everyone could just shut up already, mm-hmm. that would be great. Thanks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's my piece (laughs) yes yes like think about like olivia rodrigo's album and taylor swift's early stuff too it's like we discredit female uh female we discredit teenage girls as being like stupid and silly and emotional and outrageous (gasps) did your man bring you a snack yes what a great day oh my god amazing warm bread was just brought to me Mm, there's nothing better than bread dude I'm sorry, you're making a really good point, but I got excited about Brad carrying on, <laughs> carrying on there. Um, but yeah, we write we write women, uh, teenage girls off as like silly and frivolous and, and emotional and crazy. But no, we're just like in tune with our emotions. We're feeling our things. We like we love so hard at that age, too, because your hormones are just going crazy. It's like, don't discredit teenage girls as being silly. They're actually very intelligent and they think more than you would you know, the, the, the patriarchy tells us they do. Yeah. Right on. Damn straight. Damn straight. I'm going to go eat this bread now, everyone. Eat that bread. <laughs> but- Join our Patreon. Talk to us Ooh. about, talk to me, Cece, and Brianna, and Bethany <laughs> as we chat all about we're our- We're having a great time. Uh, we're having a great time out there. We love it. So join we, us. We talk about Ed Sheeran concerts and mm-hmm. just all, a bunch of fun stuff. So please come please come hang out with us and yeah i hope y'all enjoyed this episode <laughs> this this has been a wild ride today so thanks <laughs> thanks, thanks for joining, joining us <laughs>